Amen. Oh, I tell you what, it doesn't get any better than that. Thank you, Sue, so much for singing that. I'll tell you how much I love that song. I've told you before that I was afraid to fly for a long time, and that was keeping me from going on mission trips. Well, we were getting ready to go on our first mission trip after, after many, many years of being fearful. And I got a good friend of mine. I said, I want you to tape a song for me, Midnight Cry, and put it on a CD. He got about 10 different arrangements of that song, put it on a CD. When I got on the airplane in Atlanta, I put my headphones and my earphones in. I put on that song, and I listened to that song from Atlanta until we crossed the Atlantic Ocean and landed in Ukraine where we were going. And I tell you, God, God just comforted me so much. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 is the basis of that song, The Midnight Cry. 1 Thessalonians 4 is when Jesus comes for His bride. The dead in Christ will rise and we will meet the Lord in the air. And I want to read this passage because we've looked, been looking at the, the second coming of Christ. Sometimes people get confused and mixed up. They view the second coming of Christ instead of separating it from the rapture of the church. So we've looked in the scripture at three powerful passages about the second coming. What Jesus said in Matthew 24. What Revelation said in Revelation 19. What Peter said in 2 Peter chapter 3. All of those passages there are dealing with the triumphant second coming of Christ when Jesus comes back to this earth and He comes back to this earth in judgment. But listen to me, friend. The rapture of the church is different from that. The rapture of the church is when Jesus comes in the air. He doesn't come back to the earth. He comes into the air, in the air, and He gathers all of the church, the bride of Christ, and the graves burst open, and we meet the Lord in the air, and the Bible says we will forever then be with the Lord in our glorified heavenly body. When we come back with Jesus in Revelation 19, we come in our glorified bodies triumphant with the Lord Jesus. Well, let me just read this passage to you. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, beginning in verse 13. Do not be ignorant. I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep. Now this word fallen asleep is where we're going to spend most of our time in the message this morning. We see this about five times. Fallen asleep lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain shall by no means precede the, those who are asleep in Christ. Verse 16. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, 
with the voice of an archangel, with the trump of God. Now, that's different from all of the other passages we've looked at. There's this shout of announcement. This Gabriel is blowing the trumpet, this sound of the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. See, this passage is so different. The rapture, the catching away, the calling away of the church. And then the Bible says, then we will always be with the Lord. Here's something to remember about the difference between the rapture of the church and the second coming. The second coming, Jesus comes to the earth And he's coming to the earth in judgment. The rapture of the church, we actually meet the Lord in the air. We're changed and we go back to heaven with the Lord. While we're in heaven, the next seven years on earth is judgment. It's the great, it's the tribulation and the great tribulation period. So that's what's going to happen. Notice something that we find in Scripture. There, there are so many teachings in Scripture that, that show us the plan of God and how God's working in the lives of His people. First of all, I want you to think about what Jesus said. He said, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the second coming. Jesus was not speaking there of the rapture. He was speaking of the second coming, him coming back to this earth in judgment. But I want you to notice what happened in Noah's day. When the judgment of God was going to fall upon the earth, it did not fall upon Noah and his family. Because they were safe in the ark, God put them safely in the ark. Now notice another thing, notice about Lot that old nephew of Abraham who journeyed down to Sodom. Do you know, and you find it, we find it very interesting that Simon Peter, in his epistle, 2 Peter chapter 2, refers to Lot as a righteous man. Now, he didn't always live a righteous life, but by using that word righteous man, Peter is telling us that Lot was, was belonged to God. He was one of God's people. His family belonged to God. Do you remember what happened before God destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah with fire and brimstone raining down out of heaven? He delivered Lot and his family, didn't he? And he moved them out of that city and kept them safe. My friend, those are examples in the Scripture of how God is going to keep the church safe during tribulation, during judgment of this earth. God is going to keep His bride safe. And how is He going to do that? He's going to remove His bride. He's going to remove all Christians who have known Jesus and know Him as Savior and Lord. He's going to catch us away, move us out of this world, take us to heaven with Him during this time of tribulation and great tribulation judgment upon this earth. When we read Revelation chapter 4, verse 1, here's what John the Apostle said. 
He says, and I saw heaven open. And as heaven opened, I heard a voice saying to me, Come up here and I will show you things that are going to happen. There is a powerful example of the rapture of the church. In chapter 2 and 3 of Revelation, it's all about the church and the church on earth, the church at Laodicea, the church at Ephesus, the church at Smyrna, and all these churches. But in chapter 4, there is this symbolicness, this symbolic uh, uh, way of God showing John, John, I'm bringing you to heaven. I'm going to bring my church to heaven before I come down and bring my judgment upon the earth. And from chapter 4 on, through the revelation up until about the last few chapters, we do not see the church again. We do not see the church mentioned. The reason is the church is not there. The church has been caught away and been gathered to Jesus in heaven. So there are three great examples of how God delivers the godly, His people, His children, His bride, those that have been washed in the blood of the Lamb, those that are His children, how He's going to deliver His body from the judgment that's about to fall upon this earth. He's going to deliver us and we're going to be in heaven with Him do we understand and know that there is no sign that has to be fulfilled before the church is raptured away? That means the rapture could happen today. It could happen this afternoon. We might not even gather here next Sunday. We may be gathering in the air as we meet Jesus in the air. Now, wouldn't that be something good and exciting? I hope it happens. I hope Jesus comes back and we just meet in the air as we go to heaven to be with him. That's what this scripture is talking about in 1 Thessalonians 4. I want to take just the next few moments before we finish, and I want to deal with this, this word in this passage of Scripture that I think is so significant. And it says that he's talking to the Thessalonians about those who have fallen asleep. I was at Tina Whitehead's mother's graveside service. Tina, we're praying for you. God bless you. I know on this Mother's Day, your mother's in heaven with the Lord, and God is going to strengthen you. But as we were at that graveside the other day, and we were thinking, I couldn't help but think about what this scripture says. That those who have fallen asleep, you have family members, I have family members, your mom and dad, maybe your mother, maybe your father, maybe even your children. They are not with us any longer. They have fallen asleep. And they're asleep, according to this passage now, we would say that they're deceased. We would say that they're dead. They're no longer with us. We know where they are. If they're believers, they're in heaven with the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. 
So they're not asleep out there in outer space somewhere and Jesus has got to wake them up. They're not asleep down in the ground and someday he's going to wake them up. The Bible makes it very clear for the saint of God, for the Christian, for the church, for the believer, the moment you die, you instantly go to heaven to be with the Lord. But the Bible calls that asleep because the scripture talks about the dead being those that are lost without Christ. They're dead in trespasses and sins. That's Bible talk. So the Bible language for those Christians who have died physically, the Bible refers to us as we're asleep in Jesus. Although that's terminology, we're really awake and we're alive in heaven with the Lord. And that's what this scripture is saying to us. It's saying that when Jesus returns for the rapture of the church, all of those who are in heaven with him, they're coming with him. And it says they are coming with him and they're coming to receive their glorified bodies. It says that the graves burst open and out comes their glorified body and their soul, their spirit is joined with their glorified body there in the air with Jesus Christ. The glorification of the church, the bride of Christ is what's going on here. But here's the news in this scripture. It says, those of us that are alive, those that are us that are living on earth, when this happens, we're not going to be changed first. They're going to be changed first. They're coming. Their bodies are raised. Their bodies are raised, a glorified body, and their spirit, their soul comes together. And then, he says, then, Those of us that are alive will also be caught up together and will be changed. We will receive our glorified body. And so you have this scene. All of the Old Testament, all of the New Testament, all the apostles, all the church of all the ages, the church from every corner of the universe that has ever lived, and the people who are alive when Jesus comes that are saved, we all are gathered with Jesus Christ in the air. We have a glorified body and we go to heaven to be with the Lord. And then judgment happens here on earth after that. What a powerful word we see here in Scripture. How that the Lord is going to work. Now I want you to notice for just a moment this word asleep. It's used in verse 13. Verse 14, sleep in Jesus. Verse 15, precede those who are asleep. It's used there. Verse 16, it talks about the dead in Christ will rise first. That's those who are asleep. And then verse number 18, or verse 17, it says, we will be caught up with them in the clouds, those that sleep in Jesus. I want to tell you something, friend. Your mother, your grandmother, your dad, whoever it is, your children. The Bible says they're asleep. That's how you need to view the graveyard. But they're alive with Jesus in heaven right now. This very moment, they are alive. They're enjoying heaven. They're there with Christ. 
They will be coming with him. The graves will burst open and the dead in Christ will rise first. All of us who are alive and remain on this earth, we will be changed. We will be caught up to meet them in the air. And all of us then will be in heaven in glorified bodies, a body like Jesus, a body that can travel the universe, a body with no limitation, a body with no sickness, no pain, no sorrow, no death, no hurts, no cancer, no illness, a glorified body, just like the resurrected Lord. Now in the conclusion this morning, I want to draw your attention to just a couple of illustrations about this in Scripture, how the Bible looks at this and how Jesus himself looked at it. In John chapter 11, Jesus got word, he was in another town, and he got word from Bethany. That's where Mary, Martha, and Lazarus lived. They were the close friends of Jesus when he was on earth. And it says in John 11 that Jesus got word, and they had sent for him and said, you need to hurry and come to Bethany. Lazarus is sick, and his sisters want you to get there and heal his body. And the Bible makes it very clear that Jesus purposely delays leaving and rushing to Bethany. It was several days would take him to get there. He purposely delayed, and here's why the scripture explains this. He actually wanted Lazarus to die before he got there. You say, preacher, that sounds so unusual. Jesus wanted somebody to die. Yeah, he wanted him to die before he gets there, before he got there, because Jesus had another plan. He wanted to show Mary and Martha, and he wants to show you and I the power that he has over disease, over death, over the grave. And when Jesus got there, Mary and Martha both met him and said, your friend and our brother Lazarus is dead. And here's the words of Jesus. Now listen closely. Jesus said to them, he's not dead. He's just sleeping. He said to the disciples, Lazarus isn't dead. He's just sleeping. It's so affirms what we're reading here about the rapture, 1 Thessalonians 4. They sleep in Jesus. And so and Jesus went to the grave of Lazarus, and he said to that tomb, he, he, he prayed, and he said, Lazarus, come forth. They rolled the stone away, and Lazarus came walking out of that grave. He was alive. What a powerful, powerful story. Lazarus was asleep. Jesus woke him up, and he came walking out of that grave. Now, one thing about it, he didn't come out in a glorified body. He didn't, he didn't get that yet. That was coming later on. But another passage I want you to look at, let me, uh, let me find it here. Matthew chapter number 9. I want you to actually turn there if you have your Bible, and if you, if you don't have it with you, that's okay. I'll, I'm going to read a couple of verses here. In Matthew chapter number 9. And the reason I want to read this is we're getting ready to close. But I just want to, to, to affirm again this idea of how Jesus referred to people who were dead as being asleep. Because you see, friend, if you know Christ, you're never going to know death. If you know Jesus Christ, he saved you out of death. He brought you out of death when you were lost. 
That's your condition. You were dead, Ephesians 1 says, in trespasses and sin. And when you met Jesus, you became alive. You are alive in Christ. You cannot die. You cannot be touched with death. Now listen, your physical body can quit breathing and be put in the ground. Your heart can quit beating. But you are never going to die because Jesus said, I'm the resurrection and the life. And who believes in me, he's always going to live. And we're alive in Christ. And that's how, that's our state. We're alive. Now listen to Matthew chapter 9, verse 18. It says, While Jesus spoke these things, a ruler came and worshipped him, saying, Now listen closely, verse 18, Matthew 9. Jesus, he said to Jesus, My daughter just died, but come and lay your hand on her and she will live. Now, boy, that's some powerful faith, isn't it? This dad believed his dead daughter could be resurrected if Jesus just came and resurrected her. And friend, he's exactly right. Jesus has the power. He raised people like Lazarus and others, just like this daughter. So Jesus arose and followed him, and so also did his disciples. Now go down to verse 23. When Jesus came into the ruler's house, they saw he saw the flute players and the noisy crowd wailing. Why were they there playing the flutes and wailing? Because there was a death in that home. Where you and I go to the funeral home and visit a body, we go to the graveside and we're there to comfort the family. These people had a different custom. They would go, they would play flutes, they would gather in a house, they would, pr they would pray, they would cry, they would moan, they would wail together because a loved one had died, a friend had died. That's what's going on in this home. They know there's a death. But notice what Jesus says. Verse 24. Jesus said to them, Make room, for the girl is not dead, but she's sleeping. Now think about that for a minute, friend. Everybody knows this girl's dead. It's proven she's dead. But Jesus walks in the room and he says, What's wrong with all of you? This girl is not dead. She is asleep. Now my friend, you listen to me. The dead in Christ, those who are Christians, you are never going to die. You are going to live eternally with Christ because you cannot die as a believer. You are alive forevermore in Jesus. Now, the body, that's another statement. The body's going to decay and everything else, but it's going to be raised in the rapture. It's going to be a glorious resurrection, new body. It says that they ridiculed Jesus. They made fun of Jesus. My friend, do you know there are people today, they mock Jesus, they make fun of Jesus, they laugh about it, they laugh about the Bible, they'll mock you, they'll mock me as Christians. What kind of nuthead Bible thumper are those folks? Man, they're just a bunch of uh, fundamental fools out there. Listen, my friend, that doesn't bother me. You can call me anything you want to. You can call any of us anything you want to. But you and I know, church, we are people of faith. And we know that our God is true to keep every single promise He makes. Even the promise of coming. Even the promise of the rapture of the church. Jesus got them all out of the room. He got the crowd out of the way. And He walked into the room. 
put the crowd out. And verse 25, he says, he took her by the hand and that little girl arose and life came back into her. What an illustration of what it means to sleep in Jesus. My friend, listen to me today. I've got good news for you. You have been saved. You are never going to experience this death of separation from God. You're always His. You will leave this earth and go straight and immediately to heaven to be with Christ when you die. My friend, here's the question. Have you ever trusted Christ as your Savior, my friend? If you've never trusted Jesus as your Savior, you need to do that today. I'm telling you, friend, it's not good works. I sat there last night and I watched a commercial of, uh, of St. Jude Hospital caring for the needs of the children at St. Jude. They never charge anything. I've had friends of mine who've gone there with their children before for treatment. What a great work they do. What a powerful ministry that is. But I want to tell you something. I sat there and my heart grieved because I thought to myself, I looked at all of those nurses. I looked at those shriners. I looked at all of those people there. And I thought, you know, isn't it a tragedy in one sense? None of these works that all of these people are doing at St. Jude to take care of children and families, not one ounce of what they do can get them into heaven. It can't. It's good works here on earth, but it can't get them into heaven, my friend. There is not one good thing you and I can ever do to mankind that can get us into heaven. Because we're sinners. We're separated from God in our lost condition. The only possible way that we can get to heaven is place our faith in the death of Jesus. His blood atonement for our sin. And when we give our life to Jesus Christ and He saves us and He becomes our Lord, He brings us, He delivers us out of death into life. And we have eternal life through Jesus Christ. We are never going to die. We will be resurrected in a glorified body. We will be in heaven with Christ when we die until the rapture of the church takes place. Friend, listen. If you've never trusted Jesus... If you've never given Him your heart, if you've never asked and trusted Him and asked Him to forgive your sin, if you're not trusting in Christ alone for your salvation, do it today. Do it now. Say, Jesus, save me. I'm a sinner. I'm lost. I want you to come into your, my heart and life. And then when you trust Jesus as your Savior and Lord, you know He's changed your life, then you let me know when. Let me meet you here at the church and baptize you in this baptistry and show this video to our church family. Let them know you now walk in newness of life. My friend, listen. Baptism before you get saved isn't worth a dime. That's just a bunch of wet water on your clothes. But being baptized after you have been saved. Being baptized after your life has been transformed by Jesus and the power of God. That's when it's meaningful. Because then you're a testimony of walking in newness of life. The newness and the life 
that Jesus Christ has given you life in the Son. First John says, He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son does not have life. My friend, what a word that we see in Scripture of that glorious time when the bride of Christ is going to rise. The bride of Christ is going to rise. Well, listen, after we pray and finish, rewind this tape and go back over there on your computer and listen to Suzanne singing it one more time. The dead in Christ will rise in that time of the midnight cry. Would you bow with me as we pray? Our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed. God, speak into your heart right now, friend, right now in your home holding your phone in your lap or watching on your computer right now, I beg you, I beg you, stop trusting in yourself. Stop trusting in your good works. Stop trusting in your mom and dad and some other people to get you to heaven. My friend, say to Jesus right now, Jesus, I need you. I trust you and you alone. Forgive me of my sin. Wash me clean thoroughly, Father. Wash me, Jesus, in your blood. I want this life, this new life that only you can give. And Lord, I receive it right now by faith. I can't see you, but I can feel you. And right now by faith, I trust you. I'll be yours from now and throughout eternity. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for our lives that you will change and save this day. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Well, my friend, the Lord willing, if he tarries and we're all here, we'll meet the first group next Sunday morning, 9 o'clock, and then the next group at 11. Smiles and pleasantries instead of hugs and handshakes. See you then.